Hello and welcome to Popcorn Optional, a movie review podcast where we talk all things movies. We do news, reviews, rants and raves and ramblings and, you know, all the fun stuff. Uh, Cameron Salanina is out tonight because he is still on paternity leave. Good for you, Cameron. My name is Jake Brown. I'll be your host tonight and I am joined tonight by Trevor Allison. Trevor, how you doing? I'm doing good. Coming at you live on the road from Boston. So uh, sorry for the poor quality. Making it but, happen, uh, though. Making it yeah, happen. Yeah, that's right. Dedication to the cause. That's right. That's dedication to our boy, Peter Parker. Uh, tonight, <laughs> we are reviewing Spider-Man Far From Home. But we got some stuff to talk about before we get to our thoughts on the latest addition to the MCU. What is that now? 23 movies? Is this the 23rd film? I think that is right. Yes. This is this is getting ridiculous and I love it. Okay. Oh yeah. So, uh, let's talk a little bit about the parent company of the MCU, Disney, cuz they're making all of the money in the world. Uh, and they just released a trailer that looks like it's going to be another big money maker for the live action remake and this is actually live action unlike that Lion King crap this is <laughs> the remake of Mulan Trevor have you seen it what are your thoughts I have I saw it um it was it was kind of uh, a bummer for me I was watching the uh, you know Women's World Cup on streaming and they said coming up next is the sneak preview of Mulan and then my screen went to the commercial break game will return shortly uh, so streamers didn't get to see it so i had to wait for it to be posted online a little later anyway um yeah it looks it looks pretty cool it looks great because it doesn't look like a disney movie it doesn't look like the what i would describe as um garish production design of these yep. recent um movies like beauty and the beast and aladdin um and dumbo um <laughs> But yeah, I think I think this is going to be really cool. Um, it what do you know has like a cast of completely not white people. Um, so they did they did that right. They got that one to, right. Way to actually do. I mean, it's not hard, but they did the right thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think I think it'll be really cool. Um, I don't think it's a musical, which I think is perfect for this story. Um, mm-hmm. Doesn't need to be a musical. Um, let's just make sure there's not a, the Eddie Murphy isn't anywhere near this thing. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I had the similar first viewing experience as Trevor because our friend and co-host who is absent tonight, I think was watching the game live. And so he texted us about the Mulan trailer, but iPhone autocorrect doesn't really know what Mulan is and it corrected (laughs) it to Milan, like M-I-L-A-N, the city in Italy. And uh, I, for like 30 minutes, was searching for the Milan trailer. And there is no Milan trailer, guys. I'm just going to let you guys know that right now. There is no trailer for Milan. But Mulan, it's a great trailer. And I'm really excited for it. The cinematography looks awesome. Yeah, the production design looks so cool. Um, Looks like a great cast. They did that right. It looks like an awesome kung fu movie like the action is there i'm 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 really excited about this i saw a lot of people complaining online about the lack of of mushu and the lack of the musical numbers and honestly like outside of an animated film in the 90s that doesn't really seem to work anymore i at least for me personally in lion king it'll be fine you know they'll sing the songs but they're animated lions and that 
none of that is real at all. You know, so um, we don't we don't need that. We don't need that. So are you are you excited about this? I feel like we've kind of I, been a little down on the Disney action remake. Like what what do you what are you thinking? I, I, I am excited about this. I think it could be interesting. I think it looks like it might not be a kid's movie, which is I'm yeah. also cool with. It, it um, looks I mean, like it could be the PG-13 version of Mulan, which I'm just, down for. I, I'm down for that. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, yeah. I'm just like, how do you how do you have all the big war and battle scenes and keep it PG? Yeah. Lots of cutaways. Lots I guess. of cutaways. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think it'll be cool. I think it could be something really neat, really special. And I think that Disney has already sewed up the best-selling Halloween costume in in Halloween of 2020. <laughs> well, I mean, considering all of the films that have come out the last two years owned by Disney. Yeah. Disney's got Halloween locked down guys. Um, <laughs> is, is Disney making these too fast? Like, I feel like if they staggered these remakes, like every couple years, they're almost taking the MCU approach with the remakes. Why do we need more than one a year? That's very yeah. weird to me. There's three yeah. this year. It's way too many. Dumbo bombed. Lion King is going to do well because it's Lion King, but I don't think it's going to do the numbers that they're expecting or hoping it to do. Mm. Yeah, we, yeah, we don't need all of them this year. Like, guys, you've got the MCU. You've got Pixar. You've got Star Wars. Like, space out the calendar a little bit. Help yourselves. Help yourselves. That's That's what we're asking for. Any other thoughts on the Mulan trailer? No, I think that I think that pretty well sums it up. Yeah, we're really excited uh, for that one, and I'm excited to see what Disney does with it. Moving on to the other big piece of pop culture news, Stranger Things Season 3 is out on Netflix. How far are you, Trevor? We're one week removed from it being released. Have you binged it all like a good Netflix subscriber? Well, no, because my parents were in town last week. And, so, and you have a child. <laughs> and I have a child, yes. Yeah. Um, I am planning on watching it as soon as I get home from this trip on Sunday. Um, have you watched it at all? No, I haven't watched any of it. Not at all? Wow, Trevor. Um, my wife started watching, as I was kind of in and out doing something, she started rewatching season one. And mm. I just found myself like stopping and being like, this is so good. Like, I don't, it's... It's like unfathomably good. Um, yeah, season one and two are so perfect. I haven't finished season three yet. And I mean, the expectations are so high because season one and two are just so good. And I'm going to be honest. We're about five to six episodes in at the beginning. I was a little disappointed. It's a slow burn setup the first few episodes. But once... Once that fuse is ignited, guys, you just have to be a little patient because around <laughs> episode four, episode five, it goes down. So get excited. <laughs> we haven't finished it yet, but um, we we are huge fans of Stranger Things here. Excited to talk about it once Cameron gets back on the pod. I'll say I, we'll, we'll probably have an episode coming up in the dark days of August. That is very true. You know, we there's a lot of crap coming out in August we don't want to talk about. So we would rather talk about <laughs> Stranger Things. Um, right. And I would be remiss to not mention, as Trevor already mentioned earlier in our Mulan trailer segment, congrats to the 
United States women's national soccer team for their fourth World Cup. They went perfect in the tournament, and uh, it was a lot of fun to watch. It's so cool to see how big soccer is in America when our team is good. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? In in my opinion, they uh, they probably I think they only played at about eighty percent of their total capacity for most of the tournament. So I would agree. I would agree. I found myself coming away from games being like, "We could have won that by more." Yes. But yeah, it was awesome. Super fun. I am so excited for more international soccer to come and for the EPL to pick back up in a few weeks. It's it's going to be a good year, guys. Good year for some soccer. I'm excited about it. But unless we have anything else to talk about, let's go ahead and get to our review of Spider-Man Far From Home. Let's let's first hit our just general thoughts on Spider-Man as a character, past Spider-Man films, and the MCU's use of the character now that they've have brought him into the MCU. Trevor, you go first. I mean, everyone loves Spider-Man. I think that you could probably say, at least from my cultural observation, he's probably the second most popular comic book character after Batman. Um, and I think, and, and we've talked about this, and I know Cameron would love to talk about this because he loves Spider-Man. Um, but Spider-Man is perfect because... He is us. He is everyone. He's just a regular guy trying to make it. He has these powers. He wants to do the right thing, but he's not always sure what that is. And he's really a great character, an interesting character. Um, (laughs) There have been, um, you know, this is now our, I guess, eighth feature film with Spider-Man in a starring role to come out this century. Um, (laughs) I would say that this is probably the third or fourth best out of them. Um, but I think it's, I think it's very good um, I, to kind of, I'm kind of skipping ahead here. Let me get back to where I was. Um, but yeah, this, um, well, I know we all loved in, into the spider verse last year, which was, I think a really groundbreaking thing for a lot of reasons, narratively, visually a great movie. So, I mean, I was excited about this and what makes all this work. And I know you talked about this, Jake. Um, what makes all of this work is that, Tom Holland is perfect. That's why we're so excited about this. That's why, as we'll talk about, um, and everyone kind of knows, like he's going to become a pretty big role in, in the future of this universe moving forward, I think. And he's yeah. so talented. He's so delightful. He's just fantastic. So, so yeah, I mean, Tom Holland is Spider-Man. Andrew Garfield was, was too good looking, too tall, too 30. Um, Tobey Maguire was too lame. <laughs> um, but this is this is it. Tom Holland is he feels right, and that's why these movies are so great and exciting. I I totally agree. Um, I I think that you know Spider Man as a character is the Superman of the MCU. Um, or I guess the Marvel universe, not the MCU. Iron Man is the Superman of the MCU because that's the world we live in for some reason. Um, <laughs> Spider Man in Marvel comics is the equivalent of. The, like just the iconicness of Superman. Um, he is everything you aspire to be because he is such a flawed human character, but overcomes those flaws. Um, Spider-Man was always my second favorite character growing up to Batman. The general consensus of Spider-Man films until recently is they are not good. Um, the Sam Raimi films are fine. One is pretty good. Two is pretty great, and three is a train wreck. Uh, oh we don't gosh, talk. We so don't bad. talk about the Mark Webb films. We just just don't talk about them. Like 
so bad. The first one is fine. It's fine. I guess. Have you watched it again since seeing it in the theater? I haven't. I haven't. It it's really bad. Um <laughs> and then, you know, once they finally got the character back into the MCU, um Marvel just knows their characters and they know how to write, unlike Sony as a studio generally seems to know how to do. And so it's just so exciting to have the character back and the casting of Tom Holland, as you said, is perfect. Uh, we're huge fans of Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, Trevor is the resident expert on the high school film, and it is a fantastic high school movie that just happens to be about a superhero. In my opinion, like a top 10, top 15 high school movie of all time. Yeah, not even related to the fact that it's a superhero movie. So that's that's pretty special. Let's go ahead and get into our just general thoughts on this film and then we'll get into spoilers because you to really talk about anything in this movie you have to not only spoil this film but spoil Endgame and Infinity War so if you aren't cut up in your MCU like just just don't don't even try there's so much like insider knowledge in this movie Marvel's just assuming that you see every film they put out the week it comes out at this point and you know they've they've earned that they've earned it so trevor general thoughts um yeah i loved this it was fantastic it was really great um it doesn't quite hit the highest emotional points for me as spider-man homecoming does um but it's still it's still really cool i think there are a few things i didn't love about it um but it does some really cool things some really audacious things um and sets up something that is completely insane so (laughs) i mean yeah i was i was very pleased this it was just so after the heaviness of infinity war and endgame and even a little bit with captain marvel this was like just this there was the heaviness as well but it had this light airiness and it really like the tone was set from the very beginning where we hear Whitney Houston, I will always love you over the, <laughs> the Marvel logo intro. <laughs> and I, just, I started laughing and no one else in my theater was laughing. Oh, and I was, it like, was what? hilarious. I, I was, was like, laughing what is too. wrong with you people? Oh my oh, gosh. Man. It was so good. That, that the very beginning, that tribute to the people who died is so high school and so yes. perfect. Yeah. Yeah. But, but yes, I loved that, it. Yeah, the the movie the movie is great. I really I really enjoyed it. I agree. Uh it's a lot of fun. I definitely don't think that this is as good as Spider-Man Homecoming, mostly just because the stakes have been raised and we're outside of just the Spider-Man Homecoming world. We are out of the neighborhood of the friendly neighborhood <laughs> Spider-Man. Um yeah. and I think that really is the issues that I have with this film is like the areas where you can tell they're trying to figure that out as Spider-Man takes on a bigger role. But besides those like small issues in, in comparison to all the other crappy movies we see for this podcast, this movie is (laughs) fantastic. It is so fun. It's so funny. The characters are perfect. Um, it's, it's just a blast. And especially like you said, it's a breath of fresh air and and like a lightness after the heaviness of infinity war and Endgame and also captain Marvel. Good point. Um, and I think it, it does a lot to set kind of the, the standard for the MCU going forward in more ways than one. And I'm, I'm excited for that future. I think this is a great close to uh, phase three 
as this surprisingly was unlike Endgame. We were all like, why is this after Endgame? That doesn't make sense. I even am on record saying this movie might not be real. It might be a trick (laughs) to uh, get our hopes up about, you know, Endgame. And then they do a little pivot and everybody's dead. That didn't happen, obviously. Um, (laughs) I was wrong. I'll admit it. But yeah, I'm I'm really excited about the future of this character and these films, and it's just a ton of fun. So so go see this on the biggest screen possible. Before we get into spoilers, Trevor, how did you see this movie? Um, I saw it on IMAX. So nice, nice. You know, <laughs> you know why not? I saw it in a, a Dolby Atmos and Vision theater, and it was just a delight. I will say the AMC uh, A list Stubbs membership is worth it just because there is no upcharge to see IMAX yep. or Dolby Vision films. Totally yep. worth if it. You see, if you see two movies in IMAX a month, you're, just, you're saving money by having a list. Yeah, you're so making money. Legit. So it is totally worth it. Way to go, AMC. I, I also recommend it because I think that Michael Giacchino's score for this is pretty good, especially as compares to most Marvel movies. I agree. Uh, I did notice myself thinking like, oh, this is a pretty good song. And I think I've only done that twice in Marvel films so far. So aside from the Avengers theme and the entirety of Black Panther that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, portal portals when they're coming back. Okay. Right. 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 That's that's epic. That's legendary. Okay. So we are now moving in to spoilers, 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 spoilers. Go see this movie. Go see all the other Marvel movies. If you haven't, what is wrong with you? Like, how? How have you avoided all of them until now? Like, that, well done. (laughs) Um, But yeah, we are now in spoilers. Trevor, how about you just give us a a quick status of the MCU heading into this film? Because there's there's a lot of ways this movie could have gone. (laughs) All right, so so Tony Stark has died, saving the universe. Slash multiverse, question mark. Um... (laughs) And we have a bunch of people who are blipped back. The shot of the basketball team practicing while the marching band comes back in the gym is fantastic. It really addresses those kind of questions that people brought up. What does it look like when someone comes back? They're exactly where we left them. (laughs) Um, Sometimes (laughs) hilariously. Um, And we have no idea, like, who are the new threats? We've eliminated Thanos. Um, We've eliminated Hydra, theoretically. Um, but not actually, probably. Um, <laughs> and and we deal, and it, this is interesting because this they made this character so closely tied with Tony Stark. So we see the effect of Tony Stark's demise on Aunt May and especially on Happy, who props to John Favreau. He is just wonderful as Happy Hogan. He's so good. Also, like the underrated second pillar of the MCU. Like people forget how important he is. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, so we, we, we kind of flip into this Peter Parker hoping to be a real kid, which is funny. It's kind of the opposite of last time where we where Peter Parker wants so badly to be a hero. And now he wants so badly to not be a hero. Yeah. Yeah. So that is where we're at in the MCU and now the kids are going off to Europe for a summer vacation slash science camp retreat thing. That we is never really incredibly know what it poorly is. planned. Uh, 
but the Martin Starr and JB Smoove as the teachers are hilarious. Yeah. So funny. Like just the perfect, perfect versions of nerdy science teachers way out of their depth managing middle. No high schoolers, barely high schoolers on a (laughs) trip in Europe. It was quite enjoyable. So that's kind of like where this film is. Does at the start of the film, we talked about the in memoriam thing as well as the, the blip return. Um, does this film do a good job of explaining some of the like plot holes from Endgame with what happened to other people from the snap? Cause there've been like a lot of, I feel like a lot of online complaints about, well, that didn't make sense. And there's plot holes here and blah, blah. Do you think they did a good job of kind of explaining what's going on? What happened? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm good with all that. I don't have a problem with it. I think I talked about how, um, I felt like, you know, when Tony snaps his fingers, you know, he can exist outside of time and space. And I think that his intention of, you know, not like dropping people out of the sky, if there's a plane not there anymore, I don't think that happened, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but I think that the more comical parts of it, like we talked about, um, may have worked out there. I also love the idea that people's little brothers are now older than them. (laughs) Yeah. So weird. Like that concept of the character Brad is now like this hunky, hunky guy. And he used to be just like a little snot nosed brat. Uh, That's, that's funny. I love that. All right. So obviously in this film, the death of Tony Stark slash Iron Man uh, looms large. It's one of the biggest things that ever happened in the MCU. How do you think the film handled the death of Tony and kind of the search for the new Iron Man and the shadow he casts on Peter Parker's life? Um, I think it's really cool. I mean, we see he had become, if not a father figure, at least a mentor to Peter. And, and we see the importance of he and Peter's relationship um, throughout several films. Mm-hmm. And and I think it, it really... Um, I think the film does a good job of showing how that might affect someone. And, and Peter, you know, instead of being someone who might be expected to be the heir apparent to this role, um, wants to shy away from it because of the pain and the loss that's there. And I think that that adds a little bit of a, an extra dimension to the character we didn't have before. Yeah, I think I think this film also, we are in spoilers. I'm going to remind everybody of that as I say what I'm <laughs> about to say. Um. I think this also does a good job of exploring the fullness of the character of Tony Stark outside of the perspective of the hero's perspective, which is the one we're given Uh most of the time. Um, Tony is like the MCU's Steve Jobs, you know? And so when he passes away, he's remembered as a hero. Obviously he was a hero, but every, everybody has elements of a villain that, and, and, Jake Gyllenhaal's character, Big Twist, uh, has been burned by Tony to the point where it spurns him to move into this villain direction. Like, like the the character of Tony Stark has some demons in the closet, and I think that does a really good job of kind of analyzing like the fullness of the characters in the MCU, and also sets up where Peter Parker goes in the future, like you look at your heroes and your mentors as these perfect people and, and to be then put into their position of like, okay, now you have to lead. And from his perspective, he's just thinking that Tony Stark is this perfect, 
perfect person, perfect hero, perfect character, perfect mentor, when that's not the case at all. And that simultaneously like adds pressure, but also reduces the pressure that's on Peter's shoulders. And that's a big part of like the plot of this film and kind of the subtext of what the character is going through. And I think that they do a really, really good job of exploring that through the character of Quentin Beck Mysterio and uh, the death of Tony Stark. Yeah, I think that I think that Quentin Beck is one of the better villains that we've seen in the MCU. He has a lot Spider- of Spider Man has all the good villains. That's I know. Yeah, yeah. Adrian Toomes was a or, uh, slash Vulture was a great villain in, in Homecoming, um, and and here like you completely understand the character's motivations. You see that he is, um, like a real human. Like he like actually he like likes Peter. You know, like yeah. he likes him. He likes talking to him. He likes hanging out with him. He just is getting in the way of what he's trying to do. Yeah, it was, uh, it was great. I thought that, I thought Jake Gyllenhaal's performance was fantastic. I was like, obviously if you know anything about this character of Spider-Man, you know that Mysterio is a villain. And so in uh-huh. the trailers, they're showing Mysterio as this like, collaborator with spider-man and now they're going to be cohorts and work together and everyone's watching the trailer and they're like "Mm, i don't know about this mysterio guy i uh i have my doubts and obviously those doubts are fulfilled um with a, a great twist but you know at the beginning i was like man jake gyllenhaal is really doing this this whole square jawed hero thing well but it's not it's not impressive. So like this is this here, isn't the Jake Gyllenhaal that we we know and and love. And then in that twist, <laughs> I was like, "Yep, there's the weirdness of Jake Gyllenhaal. This is fantastic." Yep. <laughs> so yeah, it turns out what we saw in the trailer was like the first 25 minutes of the movie. Which respect to that, love that. Um, yeah, what? What? I mean, okay. So let me start over. So I knew, you know, growing up, reading, watching Spider-Man, no Mysterio is a bad guy. I was willing to accept the Mysterio, this Mysterio is from a different dimension where he's a good guy. Cool with that. There were two reasons that I was skeptical and knew something was up, though not exactly what. One, he never explains the source of his powers or how that happens, which I, and no one asks him, which I feel like someone should. Um, but the bigger one is that Jake Gyllenhaal's performance was bad. And I was like, <laughs> this is weird. Jake Gyllenhaal is never bad. He's yeah. always at least really good in everything. And then it turns out that his performance is amazing because he's playing a guy who's not a great actor. <laughs> and he's playing it perfectly. I'm playing the dude playing the other dude. That's, <laughs> that's what Jake Gyllenhaal was doing here. And he does it. That, the scene as soon as the reveal happens like th- doing the big speech right there and that whole charismatic moment like sells the authenticity of the villain yeah what a great way to not only like have a twist and a lot of times twists happen and they leave you with something to process it and this is like no you, it like throws you in the deep end completely and yeah. it's just fantastic I I loved it. I thought Jake Gyllenhaal was awesome. I thought the character design was awesome. The the visuals of the fight and illusion scenes, those were awesome. Everything was awesome. It was awesome. Uh <laughs> follow-up question though. Here here 
and now that I'm thinking about it, and I just realized this, Trevor, is there a multiverse? <laughs> so, yes, that's my short answer. I think because you think okay, I think so because Jake John Hall refers to our MCU timeline as Earth six one six, which is what Marvel the company refers to the MCU timeline being a separate continuity from the Marvel comic continuity yeah, timeline. But Jake Gyllenhaal's whole thing was a lie. I mean, I don't know. But the I, way that, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think there, I think there is a multiverse, but I don't know what they're going to do with that. I think okay. that the into the spider verse showed us that people are ready for that in movies. And I don't think they were 10, 15, 20 years ago. Um, but I don't know. It could lead to some interesting things, but I also have some further thoughts that we're going to get to later along those lines. Okay. All right. That was just a realization I had where it was like, it was all a lie. Maybe the multiverse is a lie. Um, okay. We'll talk about that in a little bit then. So moving on from, Mysterio slash Quentin Beck. Um, I feel like the core of these films, like what makes these films so great, and we've talked about this a little bit, is the writers of these films understand the character of Peter Parker and Spider-Man better than Sony ever did. The stakes they put Spider-Man in this film push the character to grow. And some of like some of the main things are obviously we've talked about the Peter's lack of a father figure, especially after Tony's passing and he's vulnerable creating villain scenarios and like danger scenarios, battle scenarios where Spidey's powers aren't helpful, like at all. What do you, what, what are you going to do against fire? Spider-Man, what are you going to do? It's against fire. <laughs> like, yep. oh, yeah, not, not helpful. Um, he's out of his quote neighborhood in a new environment, new partners, He's going through the be a hero versus be a teenager battle. And then my maybe my my favorite thing ever in the MCU, the Peter Tingle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's oh. I it, the, the name for that does a really good job of helping. I think the movie that 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 idea is a little tropey that the superpower has the superhero has lost one of his powers because of something. And, and they never they never it? explain why he's lost his Spidey sense. I think it's because he doesn't want to do the Spider-Man thing anymore. Is that why you think? And that's what I would say. Okay, interesting. But, well, I just thought that that was so funny with the Peter Tingle, the way they called it that, and how grossed out everyone was by it. And, <laughs> <laughs> It's so good. So funny. Um, And of course, the thing he's struggling with is the thing that allows him to defeat his foe who took advantage of the thing he was struggling with, which was his father issues, daddy issues. So, I mean, it's just a perfect circle of of like character flaw influencing plot which influences character development which influences plot which issue which like resolves character flaw at the beginning like just perfect perfect hero's journey writing 
so good. Um, what are some of your favorite moments in this film? Like some of my favorite moments are just like the smaller intimate moments between the classmates. Like I, I want to give uh-huh. credit to the, the cast of this film and just how good of a job they did. What, what's some of your favorite moments in this film? Yeah. I love, I love Tony Revolori as Flash Thompson. He's so good. Um, <laughs> that sequence where he talks about how cool Spider-Man is. And then he says, what's up dickweed to Peter Parker <laughs> <laughs> is so perfect. And especially yeah. kind of, like, especially underscored by what you were talking about a few minutes ago, kind of that the writers understand that, I think more so than any other character, aside from like Thor, who doesn't have an alias, Peter and Spider-Man are the same. Like, it's just a mask. Like, Batman and Bruce Wayne, pretty different in some ways. But Mm -hmm. Peter himself has trouble separating those things. And I think that that specifically is what made like that moment really humorous. It also added the 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 humor uh between him and mj when she says that he's spider-man and then he admits to it and she's like yeah i was only like 60 percent sure <laughs> <laughs> uh, also yeah. we haven't talked about her at all somehow but can we not get zendaya the leading role in a movie somewhere like she's she's incredible well she has her own show on hbo now called euphoria um, okay it's apparently like a super like dark and depressing drug teenager sex story. Okay. Not really sure I want to watch that. Um, may, that may, that would make me even more scared to have kids. But um, <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah. So I agree. She is incredible in this film. I would I would just want to have like almost like a Saved by the Bell series in this high school. <laughs> Yes. Can we make that happen? Yeah. Can can somebody make that happen? Spider-Man doesn't even need to be in it. Like just MJ, Ned, Flash, all of these characters, Beth, oh, so funny. Um Oh man. Yeah. I I thought that all of the high school moments in this film were perfectly done. Um uh, just because these writers get high school and these kids look like they could be in high school. Andrew Garfield never looked like a high schooler ever. <laughs> He was born looking like that. So I I think that that just shows that these films just, they get it. They get the character. Let's hit some of the technical stuff. Trevor, what do you think about the technical cinematography, score, VFX, editing, all that stuff? Um, like the score, not a huge fan of some of the VFX, although now I'm not certain whether those were intentionally supposed to look iffy. Um mm. True. Just because of the the plot and how it serves that, um, but but yeah, overall, I think it's a pretty good technical film. I mean, a, as good as any other Marvel movie. I don't think anything really stands out about it, um, but but it, everything serves the function of the film. They definitely have gotten it down to a science over at Marvel. Um, they've got their look. It's it's very consistent. The music was better than the usual Marvel films we get. I agree that there were some issues with the VFX, not so much, not so much in the drone stuff that uh, Mysterio does, but there were just some moments where it was like, "Hmm, this was shot on green screen." Like maybe yeah, the lighting yeah. didn't quite match on the characters with what was happening in the background. Some of the plates looked a little weird. Some of the compositing were a little off. But you know, I, I thought mean, that Spider-Man this, looked a little soft a couple times. Yeah, I mean this this whole movie is green screen and VFX basically. So yeah. you know, if there's a few shots here and there that don't quite land, 
That's a pretty good hit ratio, guys. Well done. Do you think do you think that Kevin Feige has like a briefcase of lens filters that he like takes to set the first day and he's like, <laughs> set it up how you want. And then he's like, all right, nighttime, slap this one on. Afternoon, <laughs> slap this one on. It's like only he gets to carry them around. <laughs> Probably. I mean, that, that guy. <laughs> Uh, that guy is God in this universe. Let's let's be honest. He yep. controls this thing. Uh down to down to just the the very pixel in the VFX. He is in charge. <laughs> um before we get to the post credit scenes, what like what do you think this film is talking about or addressing? Like I feel like every Marvel film does a really good job of having a commentary on something, whether that is obvious or not. What do you think this movie specifically is commenting on? Man, I think it's, I didn't really know that it had any kind of, any kind of theme that it was trying to follow aside from this kind of standard Spider-Man high school things. But then um, Mysterio just like comes out and tells you at the very end. (laughs) He (laughs) says, he says, it doesn't even matter. Whatever he says, it doesn't even matter what's real. People will believe anything like after. And and it's, and he contextualizes it within what's happened in this universe over the past 10 to 15 years where we have, you know, just a portal opening above Manhattan and aliens are flying out of it because a Viking demigod had a space rock like and i think that that they that the universe earns that i don't know that that's, i mean i know that wasn't necessarily the the a purpose going through it wasn't like an obvious through line but based on what happens the the world as as it is is incredibly ripe for someone like quentin beck with those abilities to take advantage of everyone yeah, I totally agree. I thought it also did a, a a good job of using that to almost kind of like reflect that back onto our society and where we're at now and just like the yeah. craziness of our our news and like how much how people will believe anything with with fake news and and also like with all the deep fake stuff that's going on on the internet right now of how you can just like put anybody's face on anything and it can it can match and that's basically what this entire film is doing as the villain's power is being able to make things that aren't there appear real um, and commanding a military strike force electronically and taking out targets one by one and like does the government have the right to do that and like who gets that right does does one person have that right or should that right belong to a committee of people and what if that like there's just all of these really interesting conversation topics that are presented and not really given a perspective on by the film, yeah, which I think is I the right thing to do. But yeah, I don't, I, I mean, I don't know that this film needed it, but it would have been nice to get a, especially after the events of winter soldier and civil war to really get like, how the heck does Tony is Tony Stark just giving a the controls to a technology that can just destroy most of the earth to a random kid and he controls it through sunglasses like there's there aren't enough questions (laughs) asked about that i don't think because this isn't this really i mean we know peter so we're okay with it but it's not much better than what shield slash hydra are doing yeah in winter soldier i mean it's not it's not doing like you know the the pre-attacking 
but it, the the level the scale of power and the level of that concentrated um and i think it hits a theme through the mcu that we have not arrived at or that we had arrived at before but didn't this didn't offer any further commentary on it which i thought is a little strange yeah i agree i think it definitely could have done a better job um of getting into that that like kind of like nitty gritty what what do we do what are the implications of the actions of these characters um maybe that'll be in the future films because this film really at the end just puts like a <laughs> nail in the coffin of your expectations of the MCU. Um, oh do you have gosh. any other thoughts or do you want to get to the, the post credit scenes? So, yeah. So we're like, you know, MJ and Spider-Man together, he takes her on the, you know, the customary web slinging date to get a feel for it. And then we cut away and we're like, oh, everything is great. Everything is wonderful. Look at this cute little stop motion school supplies in titles. <laughs> cut back to MJ and Spider-Man landing in Times Square or whatever, I guess. And then we get so many things happen at one time. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. let's talk about my my favorite parts of these are one doesn't bother me one bit that jk simmons is playing J. Jonah jameson again doesn't bother me at all because he is literally perfect like he, he yeah. is he is that character is, and J. Jonah jameson has now moved to info wars that's, and i love that they made him alex jones and that's yes. like immediately what happened it's green instead of blue but it has like the perfect look like and it's, it's perfect it's so for the character. Obvious. It's perfect it for the character. It's exactly who J. Jonah Jameson would be in 2019 is Alex Jones. And, <sighs> oh, my God. So, yeah, breaking news. Uh, <laughs> exclusive clip from InfoWars of J. Jonah Jameson. And <laughs> it is Mysterio, before dying, is releasing a fake actual fake news this is real fake news not <laughs> fake fake news um a fake edited video of spider-man killing mysterio mysterio still being presented as a hero because people don't know that he's bad they still view him as a hero and revealing that spider-man's secret identity is peter parker um literally that was, peter that parker's was a, worst nightmare <laughs> that was a bridge further than i thought they were going to take it this I was is crazy. Like, oh, yeah, they're setting up Spider-Man. I was like, I was like, it's kind of like the uh, the end of the Dark Knight a little bit. And also, I don't necessarily mind if at the end of the day the public thinks Mysterio is a hero. That's not really a problem to me. Yeah, but uh, to then be like, oh, by the way, Spider-Man's Peter Parker. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but that was a they like they they went from like a four to a twelve. On, yes. Uh, on the I don't know the serious the intensity scale. The implications of like. This might be the most impactful post credit scene ever for the future of a character. I mean, what is this going to lead to? Like a is is the third one going to be like Iron Man three, where he's just like on the lamb running away, trying to clear his name, like having I, a kid in the middle of Tennessee helping him. Like what? I don't know, oh man. Gosh. I mean, in in the comics, like Spider Man is kind of the is he a hero? Is he a villain? He's a vigilante. I don't know. Um, and, right, and there is there is a big storyline in the comic where his he is revealed to the public. Like at some point, everyone knows who he is. Okay, so this uh, has happened in the comics, then. Yes. Yeah. 
And okay. I think it led to to him and Mary Jane getting divorced, oh. um, which is some Uh-oh. stuff that's touched on into the Spider Verse. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, I, I believe once it happens, he resides in Avengers Tower, which makes sense. That would make sense. <laughs> that would make sense. Yeah, it's a pretty safe so, place to be. Yeah. So, but yeah, this is uh, this is a whole thing, especially because we're kind of left with. Like when bad stuff happens, you know, he's going to join up with Falcon and Scarlet Witch and all the other and Ant-Man, you know, like, and he's yeah. kind of going to be one of the guys. Yeah. But now what the heck is going on? I feel like this is MCU really just like playing their cards and forcing the character into that new Iron Man role. Cause Because for me, like, the movie can be summed up in one scene for me. And that's when Happy Hogan watches Peter in Tony's plane step up and start dialing in his new, his new, like, suit with the holographics and just flying through it, no problem, coming up with these new scientific, like, if I do this and charge that and release it here and blah, 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 we can do electric webs. And Happy's just standing there smiling recognizing and remembering the last man he watched do that same thing. Iron Man. We have our new Iron Man. And and Peter has graduated, essentially, out of the small neighborhood Spider-Man into a, a hero, an Avenger. And obviously, Spider-Man is the most beloved character still alive in the MCU. And so I feel like this post credit scene really just kind of forces that, yeah, he's he's known by people, he can't hide anymore. He has all of the Stark tech. Peter Parker is the new Tony Stark. Like that's that's almost kind of what that felt like to me. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So not only was that post-credit scene crazy, we then get a another crazy post-credit scene, and that is Nick Fury and Maria Hill are driving along, and then they transform into scrolls. What what the heck? And then it reveals that the real Nick Fury has been on vacation in a scroll spaceship that is like a a a a virtual version of a beach, like Valerian or whatever that terrible movie was. And there he's just hanging out on vacation. And so there are scrolls, and they're Nick Fury. And Nick Fury is a scroll, kind of. How long has he been a scroll? I don't know. What does this mean for the future of the MCU? Secret Wars? Who else do you think are scrolls? Guys, these are post-credit <laughs> scenes. <laughs> this was, I mean, this is something that was always coming once Captain Marvel was introduced, I think. Um, you can't really talk about her background and experience without talking about the Kree, and you can't talk about the Kree fully without talking about the Kree scroll, scroll War and the scrolls and what they've done, which is leading into Secret Wars, which I think is probably along the lines of what our next kind of tentpole mega team-up movie is going to be. Um which is great because that means we get two Spider-Mans and two Scarlet Witches <laughs> and two Falcons and who knows which one's the real one and are they good? Are they bad? Who knows? Uh, um, this also hopefully explains the poor performances by Kobe Smulders and Sam Jackson in this, who I thought were not good. Yeah, um, they they didn't give good performances and their characters were stupid. Yeah. So I was thinking that the whole time. I was like, man, the blip really... 
shaved off some of the edge of Nick Fury. He is not doing a good job in this film. But it's revealed it wasn't actually Nick Fury. So, you know, that gives him a little leeway. Yeah. So, yeah, this is this is cool. And we are I mean, I talked we talked about this at length with Into the Spider-Verse last year, but we are fully in the comic weeds now. Like these movies have have drug the most kind of intricate out there crazy things from comic books into mainstream movies that make a billion dollars. And I can't believe this has happened. I'm super thrilled about it. I love it. Yeah. But it's, it's pretty shocking. It is shocking, but it is, I mean, it's, it's so cool because it just proves like comic books are for everyone, but just that barrier to entry is so high. And, and it took someone like Kevin Feige and MCU and Disney to be willing to do the work to lay lay the foundation to introduce the world to these characters and these plots. And it just shows that these are universal stories and universal characters that just have a lot of really convoluted storylines in the comics. And it, it just took someone taking the time to figure it out and how to introduce it to the people. And we thank mm-hmm. the MCU for doing that because it has been fantastic. Yeah. I mean, in this, we talked about this, this, this thing is not going away. These movies are going to keep being made. There's a, there are more good comic book storylines than movies could ever be made. That is absolutely true. There's an endless well of source material. And we've seen that Marvel and Disney and Kevin Feige, whether it's them or finding people, find people who use who perfectly go about adding new things to these ideas amalgamating different ideas like we saw with the planet hulk storyline being pushed into the thor ragnarok um and as long as as long as that keeps happening these movies are going to keep rolling it's going to keep happening we're going to get two or three every year plus these mini series coming to disney plus that i am super excited about especially the hawkeye one um and it's just it's it's really impressive. I just I, I actually missed that second post credit scene. I didn't know it was there. But when I read about it, I was just like, Yeah, we are we are fully in the comic book realm now. This is <laughs> this is it. We are in. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh it's pretty crazy. It's we're in it. We are in it. All right. Any closing thoughts, Trevor? Anything else you wanna add? No, I mean this is this is cool. I, I like that it I think it we always thought it was weird that they were calling this the last film in phase three, but I think it works. I think it ties up everything and it shows us where we're headed, except that we have no idea where we're headed, but it's going to be interesting. Um, so yeah, this was, this was a a movie. I really enjoyed it. I'm going to give it seven out of eight Spider-Man movies. Um, (laughs) and, and I thought it was really good. A couple drawbacks here and there didn't quite have the magic of homecoming for me, but still really good, really enjoyable. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I'm going to give this a, a B plus, A minus, kind of kind of that little line there. Um, it's not as good as Homecoming for me. I don't know if any Spider-Man film will have the joy of Homecoming that isn't animated, uh, like Into the, Into the Spider-Verse was. I feel like that was just like the perfect introduction to the character. Um, but this is, this is just as fun. I mean, it's, it's lighthearted. It is the palate cleanser we need after something like Endgame, and super excited to see where the MCU goes next. Uh, so yeah, my rating is B plus a minus that range. Check it out in the theaters while you can. All right, moving on to content of the week. 
Trevor, what is your content of the week? A couple of things. One, I on the plane today, I watched um, a movie that came out earlier this year called Fighting With My Family. So Fighting With My Family is about a family of wrestlers, WWE style. Oh my god. You watched this? Who I did, and it is a it is a really? delight. Okay. It is it it's like a sports movie, but WWE. Okay. But it is very sweet. It's really almost more of a family drama, and it doesn't have too much WWE, which I am not a fan of. But it it brings you into the world and helps you understand it a little bit more. So I thought it was very cool. Um, it show it goes over the kind of real life story of. Page, the WWE wrestler, um, who kind of came from came from this family. Um, her parents are played wonderfully by um, Lena Headley and Nick Frost, um, and it's just this delight. Directed by Stephen Merchant, who is very funny, um, and and it's just it's it's just very sweet. It's worth watching. I enjoy cool. it. Cool. That's is much is much much more than a film about wwe i could ever expect myself to all right well that's a great little recommend something i never would have thought to have watched but maybe i'll consider it now my recommend this week content of the week is going to be obviously stranger things um and also aziz Ansari has a new stand-up special out today on netflix um it just kind of came out of nowhere dropped and there it is i watched the first half of it today it's pretty great. He does a really good job of kind of tackling some tough issues that he has gone through in the past year. Doesn't really avoid them or reject them like some of the other comics and people that have gone through similar things have. Um, and man, is Ethan sorry? He's so funny. I'm excited to have more work from him. Uh, hopefully, we get another season of Master of None coming soon. Um, but yeah, Stranger Things and. New Izzy stand up. Look at me recommending Netflix when I thought when I said it was down. Here I am yeah. recommending two Netflix originals. <laughs> Way to go, Netflix! There Get you your crap together. Um, okay, well that's it for this week. We've been, we hope you have enjoyed listening to our review of Spider Man: Far From Home. If you want to hear more episodes, you can check us out on popcornoptional.com or all of our episodes are on the podcast app of your choice as well as Spotify. If you want to find out more about us, you can go to our website, the previously mentioned Popcorn Optional. We are also on Twitter at Popcorn Optional, and we have a Facebook as well. Popcorn Optional, obviously. Um, Cameron is out tonight. He is 321 Cami Time on Twitter and C Slanina on the the letterbox. Is that is that what the kids are calling yeah, it these letterboxed. days? The letterboxed? Yep. yep. Yes. Yep. Um my name is Jake Brown. You can find me at jakebrown.tv. That's my website and my Instagram. Trevor, where can we find you? Uh, I am at Turbo Trevor on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us tonight, guys. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll catch you in the next one. And in the words of Michael Scott, I'll see you guys on the flippity flip.